0: Let's get it, bro.
1: Dude, cannot get over that, man. Insanity, bro. It's
0: it's great. Shut five up. Five in a bro. row. Five Shout in out. a row. Everybody who called me out for realizing that I was the one who said we might lose all the games we just won, Dave. And you were the one who said, you called it, bro. I'm negative. I, I don't want to like, have a big head here,
1: but like you know, I said that I thought we could go 5-0 and, and really make a statement through this. Yeah. I mean, that's just, I mean, call it a big head, call it whatever you want. But the reality is, is that this team is, this team is special, man. What's up, George? But this team is special. What's up, buddy? And yep. I, I got to say, two of my best friends, uh, Adam and Brian, I've been friends with them since I've been in uh, high school. They're Oklahoma City Thunder fans as well. Um, and I, I told them in the beginning of the season, I felt like this was a 50-win season, you know? And one of them, I won't say which one, Said that they just felt like this was not yet there, you know. After 13 games, now after 14 games, excuse me. I wrote them a text message said, "Does it feel like a 50 game? Or does it feel like a 50 win season yet?" You know, because we're the first team to win 10 games in the West. Of course, I'm going to ask them that. You know what they said? Hell yeah! It Welcome does. back, George. Hell, yes, it does.
0: George is back in the state. Sorry to cut you off, Dave. I just read that and it got me all pumped Dude. up. Dude, I'm pumped up when George is back in the States,
1: man. Nice knowing you're home and safe, man. Hopefully you get some good time with the family for sure. You deserve it.
0: Yeah, man. It's good to have you back. Um, so let's just, like, we're not, I don't know where we're at right now. I'm looking at this, and right now it says we're tied for first, but it also says we're second in the West. So let's talk about this real quick. The t wolves are 9-3. and three and we're 10 yeah. and 4. So they have a slightly mm-hmm. better winning percentage, but we're no games back. So in the games back category, we're tied. The Nuggets are half a game back behind us. Sure. This five game win streak, Dave. The one that you thought that we could get get on. And the Kings are on a six game win streak, which I think that one would include the win against us. Um yep. but we moved from being, you know, in the middle of the pack of the Seven. playoff situation to to the top of it. How do you feel about our chances of hanging on? I I think
1: that this is exactly where, where we're going to be at. I mean, if you look at through 15 games, and if we're at 10 and 5 in those 15 games, right? You know, like, I, just that's where we're going to end up. Like, if we can do this consistently through the season, which I feel like we can, I just do. I feel like this is a... I mean, look at how we put away the Blazers last night. I mean, Blazers aren't particularly good but any stretch of the imagination, but if you look at who they played and who they've given games to, I kind of feel like that this is not an easy Blazer team. And some people will be like, oh, well, they didn't have this player or that player. I, I, I get it. I get it. But this West is full of teams that are, are scary. I mean, even Memphis, they're not healthy, right? And they're three and 10, right? Utah, four and nine. That's not a Utah thing. Clippers, four and seven. Golden State, six and eight, right? Pelicans six and seven, Phoenix seven and six, Houston six and five. Are Lakers eight and six, right? Those are the that that tier that we talked about. I think Minnesota is playing above their their means at this moment. I don't think that they're yeah. going to end up in the season, you know, with fifty wins. I think they'll get close to it, but I don't think they will be end up with fifty wins. But if you're looking at the fifty win teams in this West, like this is telling me everything I want to know. Denver, us, Dallas, Sacramento.
0: What are our chances of, you know, Minnesota dropping and us maintaining or even, you know.
1: Well, Minnesota, Minnesota, uh, they won like eight games in a row, seven games in a row, right? Before, yeah. Um, before then Minnesota. they lost one and then just won another one. So, right. you know, like to me, like that's just, you know, it's not something Minnesota's going to be doing a lot of winning seven, eight games in a row. You know, like it's just not like they're, they're one Anthony Edwards, injury away from being shitty. They're one cat injury away from being shitty. You know, like Rudy Gobert is one microphone away from being sick. So for me, like this is like just a, the constant like direction where everything is going. And I like Minnesota. I like the team that they have, but if you're looking at them as saying they're potential contenders in the West, you gotta look at Denver and say, are they even close to Denver? And hell no they're not. And then you start looking at them and Sacramento, like who would you rather on that team? Would you rather Minnesota's team or Sacramento's team? I would rather Sacramento's team, hands down. You know, the young team, they've got, you know, great players. They've got all star level players already. Yes, I get it. Cat, Ant, whatever, whatever, guys. Um, but then I look at the Oklahoma City Thunder and I look at Minnesota and I can tell you right now, if you gave any of the GMs that are in the league right now and you said you get to pick one or the other, Cat or Chet, who would you pick? And I'm serious. 95% of the GMs are gonna pick Chet every I mean like without even thinking. That's where this has gotten, guys. Like this is the support. point. Like, this is why I get so excited because Chet has started separating himself, not only the 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 rookie of the year candidate, but in so many other ways. Like if he's able to continue doing what he's doing, like listen, guys, that first quarter last night, bro, Chet was a fucking monster. People couldn't figure out what to do with him. Like, it's like Chet flipped on this switch, and he's like, oh, that's how you fucking dominate. Yeah, that's easy. I got that. And that was from the game before, because he only played 20 minutes. He put up 16 fucking points, man. It was yeah. so easy. And he had a, what I would consider one of the best center defenders in the league on him. And he put 16 points in a quarter on him. It's fucking insane. What's up, Blake?
0: Well, it's tough, man. It's tough because um, you put Aiton on him, and... Aiton's going to have trouble on the perimeter. But you're also going to be tempted, well, we got a big man who can defend, so we shouldn't send the double. So you leave Aiton on an island, and that's not going to work. So-, so you put Jeremy Grant on him? No,
1: that doesn't work either. That's the point. <coughs> you can't guard Chet with a typical big man. He's going to just stay out on the perimeter. Shoot, he's going to go and and do the, his, his his moves where the big man just stands there. Like, like people were talking about Chet's, or, uh, uh, Chet's moves, this and that. Um, and they should be because Chet is doing amazing things. But I want to talk about a move that pretty much destroyed uh, Steph's career in one move. And that's Shea, bro. That dirty move that Shea did that pretty much just looked like it, it tore Steph's Achilles. It's crazy, man. Like I'm telling you guys right now, when you add Shay playing the way he is, and you add Chet into that mix of playing the way Chet's playing right now. You know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven wins. I mean, that's how many they can knock out in a row before people start realizing how to stop them. And then when they start realizing how to stop them, then you throw in J Dub in there. You throw a little bit of Isaiah Joe in there. You throw a little mix of this and that in there. And next thing you know, is this team is like unstoppable. You get our bench scoring seventy points like they did last night, even though our starters didn't play in the second half. Like. Come on, guys. Like, that's putting away teams without even trying.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, we, we were fully prepared for the team to have a trap game against the Blazers. Like, Obviously, we don't want that shit. But just coming were out. Were you nervous before the
1: game? Because I was nervous. Because last year, we found a way to make games where there shouldn't be games. Yeah. And this year, I feel like the, the light switch has turned. It's like games that shouldn't be games aren't games.
0: Well, it starts on defense, bro. It starts on us just saying, like, we take pride in our defense. We don't care what the scoreboard is. And we played great defense all game. And really, the Blazers weren't going to be able to play with us if we played great defense. Sure. If we played shitty defense and our offense was stagnant, they could have made a game out of it. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think, the improvement from last year. You know, last year, our defense was there, but also it didn't always travel. It didn't always show up. On the second of a back-to-back, um, and this year it's like it's it's a lot less dependent on um, freshness and legs. It's we ha- and I can point at Kason and say like defensively he takes a lot of pride in positioning, hmm. and I think the whole team does. I think you go down the list and you're like, yeah, like, there's a lot less gambling going on. There's a lot Have- less out of position play. We're playing more zone. We're playing a way where we're forcing the teams to you know work the shot clock and then take a long two. And so we can take noticed, a lot of pride in that.
1: Have you noticed like almost a box in one type of defense? The way that we play like Kason on their best player, then we put um Dort on their best player, then we put J Dub on their best player. And then we have the other guys always constantly helping in that that you know mid zone. Um, you know, Zone, I call it a man-to-man zone almost like they they're on their man, but they're back and helping. I kind of get this I, feeling that the way that we play defense on their best player is exhausting for them. And I think yeah. if you go back to the beginning of last year and throughout the year is one of the most difficult times we had was when Dort would come out of the game. Yeah. and their defender or their guy would get on a groove. Their best player would get on a groove. Dort would come back in the game as quickly as possible, but it was too late because their best player is already on a, gro- you know, in a groove. Not missing shots anymore. When we are playing the Cavs, right, man, and I'm watching Cason Wallace play against Donovan Mitchell, right? And we're able to switch back and forth between Dort and Cason, back and forth. That's when the light bulb went off. It was like there's no longer this moment where like Klay Thompson could get on a run or Dominant Mitchell can get on and run. It's consistently tough defense. Whether it's casing uh, in there, money. whether it's Dort in there, or whether we throw J Dub on there because they're hitting shots and we need to keep our uh, make a, the, the the space in between less. Like it is so legit on so many levels that I have to stop and just admire because Jordan. when we were dra- I'm going through the draft process, Mark, everybody's like big man, big man, big man, big man, and we kept on saying what playmakers, guards, uh- because that's what Sam G- Presti wants.
0: We kept saying, Unk, Wani, Jordan. (laughs) Sorry to keep interrupting you, Dave. No, but you're right, though. Showing up in force. J-Dub. Wani. J-Dub. Blake says we need to talk J-Dub. J-Dub was out against the Blazers. We didn't need him, obviously. But if we're talking about defensive switching, playing against the best players, and really most of the guys that we've had to play that are the best players on the team, with the exception of Sabonis recently, have been guards and small forwards type players to get it off the bounce. Yep. So how do we defend that? We put Dort on their best player. We put Kason on their best player. We put J Dub on their best player. When you have
1: such a good lockdown defender, it doesn't matter the size difference. It just doesn't. Like we watched last year with with Dort and LeBron. You know, yeah. the year before Dort and LeBron, it, it, the size difference does size difference doesn't matter if there's lockdown defenders. And that's what we're noticing. I mean, we could have three guys that are probably—I would say—the best three guard. Uh, put it like this, guys: we've got three guards out there at any given time that out there on the floor. They're the best three guards on
0: defense in All the right. league. Which ones are they, Dave? By the way.
1: All right, Dort, Jade, or not Jade? Up, um, Kason.
0: Yeah. And Shay. Uh, okay. Dort, Kason, right. Shay. No, no Jade out there.
1: No. Well, listen, that's the thing. that's crazy. OK, because right. J-Dub, in my opinion, is one of the better defenders on this team. Hey, but you know if you're who- looking at what Shea is doing right now, right, and shutting down the small forwards and shutting down their bigger guard, like he is expected to do so much more on defense than a lot of these other guys that are typical. And, and you can say, oh, well, Dort's a better defender. But then w- look at what Shea has been expected to do on defense. And then look at his um, steal total. And you're just like, wait a second here. Why is he playing small forwards? Why is he playing the bigger guys like that? It's because Coach D has recognized that it's not a mismatch when you have a lockdown defender. And then you have J-Dub, who's just as good a defender. And then you want to throw in there Chet? Because I can guarantee you people are going to say Chet's one of the best defenders in the league. So when you're talking about defense... There is no better team defense than this team. Individual defenders is great. But when you go down and strip down just the basics and you say, there's a team out there, just put up 70 points on us at halftime. Coach D switches that, um, you know, flip that switch. Boom. Next thing you know, you have five guys out there that are probably the best one, two, three, four, five players on a team as far as defensive league in the league. You could throw Kenny Hustle in there. You could throw, I mean, the thing is, it's crazy, is we have so many unbelievable defenders on this team. It's crazy.
0: You know who's leading the league in steals? Shea, right? Yeah, two and a half a game. Yeah. And he might legitimately be our third or fourth or even fifth best defender. But, but this, that's what I'm saying. If he was
1: forcing, they were forcing him to play the point guard position on defense or the shooting guard position on defense at all times. I'm telling you, people will be thinking he's the best defender in the league. Really? They're putting him on the small forward, guys. They're putting him on a much bigger body. And because of that, he's not getting all the things that he would be getting out there, all the accolade, accolades, oh, <laughs> accolades out there that he should be getting. Because he's he's just playing out of out of spot on defense, and guess what? He's making it work. It's not it's not phasing him. But like when push comes to shove, and you're looking at a defender, and you're saying Shay, go guard the shooting guard. Well, that's, that's I mean yes, he does it on this team when there's two shooting guards, he takes the bigger shooting guard, you know. But Shea is being required to play something else on defense, and I've never seen a guard be expected to play a small forward consistently every game, every night. I mean, the physicality that it takes is, is astonishing that he's able to still go out there and put up the stuff he is, knowing that he's playing that, that physical aspect on the, on the defense.
0: Tied for first in the West, like we mentioned earlier, Miwani. Appreciate the right, thumbs man. up. Whoever just gave us that. Yeah, hell yeah, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. And let's talk about this, though, because the best rebuild of all time, Mawani's got, a, he's on a roll right now, and I want to talk about his points here. Um, so let's talk about when the rebuild really started because there was a, a false start on the rebuild, if you will. Um, we ended up making it to the playoffs a year that a lot of people Mm. wanted us to not. And we had Chris Paul, Lou Dort, Shea, um, really impressive team out there. And we got to game seven. We learned a lot about those young guys, but the year after was when this rebuild really started. Um, there were... I would say like we were getting ready for the teardown, but we didn't get quite there yet at first. We were reshuffling, and then we go into teardown mode. How long has it been? This is, what, our fourth season, I think, since teardown mode but let's started.
1: Just, we, call, we call the first year the rebuild. The teardown happened, so the first year is Josh Giddey's first year. Let's just call that the first year. Because if you look at the, the, the teardown, that, that's what happened because we I got stuck with the I six- think it was
0: Josh Giddey's first year.
1: All right, guys. Chat, help us out here, guys, because like when when we're Two looking years, at this Jordan, this, right? this rebuild, right, Two guys. Pounds. I look at the rebuild starting, and this is just me personally, right. The rebuild started when we traded, um, Chris Paul, but, but I want to throw this out here. That right there, in my opinion, we weren't done that year. We were we were done. Yes, we we're going to straight up as as bad as we possibly could. But that was the teardown year. That was the emphasis get, on the teardown year. How do we get the sixth pick after making it to the playoffs? We didn't get the six picks for making the playoffs. Well, we made the playoffs. We, we traded right. we traded Chris Paul. Right. Right. And then we that next year is the year after that we sh- played shitty and we still got um We got the giddy. sixth pick. The next yeah, year we got which the was, second pick. We we should have got like if if we're going by rank, we should have got like the third that pick that
0: right. year. We right. So. Down. Right, so this is this is Giddy's third year, right? So there's that one year before Giddy showed up. Jordan we, says two years. Two there years. I mean, and here's the thing. It's been, it's kind of like a little bit fuzzy, but there is a definitive time where CP3 was on that team and we were game seven in the Rockets. And then we've gone through a little bit of a dark age for the Thunder. Sure. But we're coming out of it and we're looking at it and we're like, like well, where are we, where are we now? And that's why I like to start with defense. Sure. I think we have the best defensive five in the league. Sure. I think we have the best defensive small forward in the league, if you put Shea there. I think we have the best defensive shooting guard in the league with Lou Dort. I think Kaysen Wallace has a chance to really gear up to be the best defensive hmm. um, point. You know, really guard every point guard. But, but he,
1: play, he plays point guard, shooting guard. He, right. he plays all across well, the board, that, bro? You could
0: say that with all of these. But then when you come into I J-Dub know. and you're like, J-Dub has a chance to guard fours threes, yeah. twos, ones, and fives, you know, yep. you got to put some, them on somewhere. So is it accidental that as you go through rebuild and you're picking pieces and stuff, you, you accidentally get two way players at every position. You think it's yep. accidental. You end up with a, with guys who understand how to pass the ball, dribble, shoot their team players first. They understand the value of commitment. Like no, Pressy's gotten to the point where he knows how to find those guys and a bunch of, young men who aren't those people you know and you look at to the left and to the right of who is picked around our guys consistently it's guys who aren't going to make it you know like let's go back to Shea I know Shea wasn't picked by Presti but Presty, you know he went out of his way to get Shea so way out of his way so for a little while you know that um Charlotte Hornets player who just came back I don't want to mention his name but people thought he was a better player. And then he yeah. got into a little domestic violence issue. And now he's still on pre-court trials. And he's and he's waiting to find out if he's going to go to jail for violating the terms of his parole or probation. Oh, but the NBA is going to reinstate him. And, and the the Hornets are okay with this. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to have this guy. Like, And that's why I look at it. It's like, this is not normal, what he's done. He's found yeah. a way to get defensive players, offensive players, high-character guys, glue guys, teammates, and they all are willing to play their asses off not just for each other but for one of the youngest coaches in the league and when you when you combine all that when you just like look at it and you say what is this yeah it's the greatest single rebuild in any sports history and then you start wondering what is the ceiling and how long till we can achieve it because there's really no comps for this so it leads us to sit around and extrapolate in in a new way
1: our first argument with another podcast um, in Oklahoma City came to the aspect of this. We said Sam Presti can build a team with the meat of the team being players at 10, 11, 12, someplace around there, right? And as long as he gets a couple couple of oh, um, top five picks, right? Well, he got one top five pick. He got one. Chet. Everybody else has come outside of that top five. And that's what we go back to, is that you don't have to have a top five pick to hit gold. You just don't. You know, like, look at Kwai. Look at uh, uh, Giannis. I mean, we could go down the list. It's insane. You know, Shay's right here. Guys, if you are just halfway intelligent and you're drafting a team, halfway intelligent and you're drafting a team, you recognize that character matters. You recognize that loyalty matters. You recognize a two-way player matters. You recognize efficiency matters, right? And you have this incredible staff that's around you to help you understand exactly which player you want to go with. And that's where it comes down to. You can say, This is Sam Presti. And Sam Presti would sit here on our podcast if he was. And you would say, It's not just me, guys. It's these 150 people that are behind me that are working every single day to make this stuff happen. It takes one really motherfucking smart guy to say, I don't care what you do, Sam Presti, but if you don't trade up to get Case and Wallace. At that number ten pick, you'll regret it the rest of your life, and that's that one piece that's in the back of Sam's head, going da 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 da. John (laughs) Calipari, he's talking to people. I'm serious, bro. Like, like I I I can say this in in indefinite. Like through the next eight years of the draft, eight years of the draft, we're gonna end up with five more top ten picks Mm. in the eight years. The eight next years. Think about that. Five top 10 picks. Okay. Tell me with that and the way that Sam Presti has been drafting everybody, tell me that with the next time that a superstar or a star wants to get traded out of the Oklahoma City Thunder, that we're not going to be okay. Because <laughs> I can tell you if Shea one day wakes up and says, I don't want to be in Oklahoma City anymore. Guess what? Sam Presti takes Shay's contract. He trades it for seven first round draft picks or five first-round draft picks and a young asset. And we're okay because we still have Chet. We still have Josh. We still have J-Dub. Like That's the way that this team is going to operate. They're going to have players that stay on this team until they retire. Most of the players, when they get to the point, though, that they are making mega money and they have to be going someplace else, Sam's going to be way ahead of that. We're going to be so good. And when it's said and done, we have five more top 10 draft picks over the next eight years, guaranteed, because Sam Presti has made the right decisions in the trades that he has made. Some people are like, why the fuck would he um, trade Chris Paul for less? Well, we're about to find out. You know, these are the reasons why Sam Presti does what he does. And I think that by betting and gambling on other teams not being good in certain years, it's paid off for Jada. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I mean, literally. And you He looked at the thing as like that's the one I want.
1: Just a minute ago, year.
0: he did another version of that, Dave. Right? He traded for the Clippers' future pick by helping get involved, or a pick swap by getting involved in the Harden trade. Like it, it's it's crazy. You think that they would learn their lesson? Brilliant. Yeah. If I was ball, think about I'd it. Fire every asshole. Two thousand twenty-seven. No, so two thousand twenty-nine.
1: Nicholas- he got the Denver's pick. Do you seriously think that Denver is going to be a top-end team in 2029?
0: It's going to be tough. It's going to be very, very expensive to be that level.
1: And, And that's my point, is that he understands. He was able to sit there and say, the Clippers are going to be good this year, but the next year they're not going to be good. And the following year they'll be good, and the next year they'll probably not be very good. Those are the years that we want our draft picks. And he's able to take this information in and process it because guess what? When you go to a really fucking smart college, and they teach you really fucking smart math, Yeah, you can be smarter than everybody else in your field. Yeah. Sam Presti is pretty goddamn smart, bro.
0: So I've been reading the chat, and it's like, look, the it's what they mentioned, and they're right. The season that the rebuild really kicked off was the first game was actually canceled because of COVID, right, situation, yeah. and then it kicked off in December. So I think that was 2020 was the year. Um, okay. And then right away we're into 2021 but on that team we had george hill and al horford and then after that team went through their losing that's when we brought in josh giddy okay so as i'm remembering this and it just kind of hits me like when we had al horford right when we got the trade we're like hey we get a good player right we get a future pick which actually doesn't seem very far away anymore and it seems like it could be valuable although the sixers are playing good right now i'd say overall they're a mess and on top of that, we got a player that nobody had ever heard of and probably was never going to come to the United States anyway. But he's here.
1: is <laughs> He's here. And then what? we got that pick oh, yeah. last year that we traded to Denver from the 76ers that was like pick 30 or uh, 28 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And we took that one and we traded it for top seven protected in 2029.
0: Far out as possible. <laughs> like,
1: what the fuck, guys? Jesus Christ, like, like, I, I cannot go back to this enough. Sam Presti, understanding that everybody was so greedy about stars at that exact moment that he knew he could cash in on everything. Westbrook, Chris Paul. I mean, the list goes on, guys.
0: Now, I want to talk a little bit, change the subject real quick, because, you know. I think when people are piling on one of our players, it's a time that we need to stop and, and just stand up for them. And this oh, yeah. Josh Giddy slander has gotten way <laughs> out of control. I watched a video today. I don't want to mention the person's name because I actually do have respect. Um, but I did drop a comment. If you guys see my comment, all I said was casual fans, teaching casual fans how to be casual fans. But the basis of the entire video was that Josh Giddy is going through a season of regression. I vehemently deny that I hate the word regression. I think there are some, some examples of that. Um, I think it happens more in football and other sports. I think it can happen in basketball through like lack of um, you, you lose your athleticism through injuries and you can have examples like that. But a guy like Josh Giddey, um, he has, he is not going through a season of regression. Like, He's going through a season of experimentation. You know what I mean? And as you try new things, you're going to fail at different things. And what he brings to this table is just so far above the statistical output. I get there's some frustration that he's not in a lot of these closing lineups. But I have this really high level of confidence that coach intends for Josh to be out there every minute possible late in the season. And there's certain things you have to work through early in the season, especially a coach like Coach Degnall. A lot of people don't understand Coach Degnall's philosophy about 82 games. And that 82 game philosophy is a really important thing about him. Um, there's another podcast. I don't want to mention his name. But let's just call him the Ignorant Podcast out there. And after every game, he analyzes coaches closing lineups and then ridicules him for not playing who he thought they should play the guy's not a total dumbass. I mean, maybe he is, but you know, he did play college level basketball. So, I mean, he, I, I think he has some experience, but to not, to like sit there and ridicule a coach because you don't understand his strategy is really just a sign of ignorance. And instead, you should try to mm-hmm. understand what he's saying. And ultimately, Josh Giddy, Kacen Wallace, Lou Dort, all these guys, like, They're going to go through times where they're playing every minute possible. They're playing closing minutes. And then there's going to be times where coach is like, I'm letting Wiggins run. I'm letting this other guy run off the bench. And these guys will be sitting on the bench during the closing lineups because the other guy is playing well. Coach isn't going to be like, oh, I'm taking Shea out for the closing lineup. So other people are playing well. He's going to let those units ride. But to sit there and say like coach has noticed some regression, like his minutes are down. His points and assists and rebounds are down, but his minutes are down. That's fucking relevant. Like, to sit there and be like, his stats are down, but it's like also he's getting a couple less minutes a night and that doesn't matter. That's, that's not right, man. I think we got to sit there. We got to put our arm around our teammate. We got to understand that the loud assholes are coming for him again. Um, the same people who ridiculed the Thunder pick, and we know from hearing Josh talk about it, he heard what those people said. Sure. It, he took it personally. And it really bothered him. And, and they're doing it again. And that's why I just, I know that he doesn't listen to our podcast, or I think I know that. But I, I just hope that anybody who knows him or is in a circle or is around his family, they just let them know that there is a sliver of a group out there that isn't sitting there saying, trade Josh Giddy. And it, it's you guys in the chat. It's us. It's, we're the true fans. The other people, they can suck a dick
1: man i I want to be like totally respectful to everybody out there that is not a Josh Kitty fan, and I want to make sure that people recognize that like, how do I explain this, man? All right, so the other day, dude, I'm laying in my bed right <clears throat> and I had some horrible gas, right? you know and I was trying to piss my wife off by farting and making it shit you know smell like shit in the house, you know, and I shit myself, you know just and I was like, shit. So I stood up and I started walking to the bathroom, and I could feel the shit rolling down my back, right? My back leg, bro. And I'm like, why the fuck did I have to be an asshole, right? And it reminds me of these Josh Giddy haters out there, man. Because, like, you buy into this idea that Josh Giddy's not good enough, and you're like, oh, dude, I want to make this place smell like shit. So I'm going to do something, I'm going to fart. And all of a sudden, you realize that you just shit yourself. And as you're walking to the bathroom and it's rolling down your back of your leg, you're like, why do I have to be a fucking asshole? I don't give a shit. I'm going to do it again. That's what's happening right now. Because people in their minds, their warped minds, they say just because Josh Giddy's not finishing the game means that he's regressing. And let me just tell you what's happening. What's happening is, is that coach is using a certain type of lineup, right? He likes this lineup at the very end of the games. This lineup is a high intensity on defense make shots very difficult and it's not that josh giddy doesn't understand that because josh totally gets that he knows what he's doing but when josh is out in the game guys in that second quarter in that third quarter he is the most useful person out there right and that's why he's out there if coach wanted him to end games and, and play at the end of games then that's what he would be doing but he thinks he's more useful in that second and third quarter than finishing the games and if you look at all the damage that Josh does in that second and third quarter, it makes sense. Because coach is like, Josh, I don't want you worrying about the end of the game. You know, don't worry about that. I want you playing your ass off here. And guess what happens at the end of the game? There's an imbalance play. Who's in there throwing the ball in balance? Josh, because he goes and subs in. So for anybody that says he's regressing, well, get, coach wouldn't be doing that if he was regressing. Coach wouldn't be showing, I have faith in you. I want you in there in these situations. And, and to me, I look at Josh Giddy and he's the perfect example of a guy that you want on your team that's going to do whatever it takes to be better, get better. He has that Australian spirit, bro, that, I mean, telling you, he does not give up. He doesn't want to give, he doesn't give a shit about what everybody else is thinking about him or what everybody else is doing because he's going to do his best out there. And if people want to say, well, Josh was feeling not like going out there in the fourth quarter and playing at the end of the games, guess what? He doesn't give a shit about that because he's doing everything he can to get to that point where he is in the game at the fourth quarter's. At the end of the game, the coach thinks that he's more valuable in that time period that Shea's not in the game. And I gotta believe him. And I gotta sit there and say, I agree, because the offense is way more effective when Josh is in the game, and especially when Shea's not there, because that Baldwin is never sitting around. I mean, think about it, guys. Shea comes out of the game, and all of a sudden, Josh picks up three assists. It's not a coincidence. We rely on Shay for so much, for doing so much. When he comes out of the game, you have to have somebody in the game willing to share the ball, willing to do whatever it takes. And that is why we want to keep Shay or Josh until he fucking is shitting out of his ass and he can't even control himself in fucking public.
0: Dude, I loved it when you said throw the bowel in balance. I think uh, you, you said ball, but you hesitated and it said like bowel. And because of the, the story you told, I was like, damn, dude. And speaking of bowel movements, okay? Um, Brent Woods showed up last night, Dave, and I I just I couldn't handle his verbal diarrhea. So I put him in permanent timeout, Dave. Oh, you timed him out permanently? Yeah. Like uh, you can <laughs> take him off. I just I was like, like I don't need that shit. I even put up the rainbow, like, um, license plate for him so he'd feel comfortable and that wasn't good enough for him so i'm like i don't i don't know what else to do if he can clean up his act um yeah go ahead uh if you want to clean up your act brent woods um you can email me it's my first name and my last name with just an at, or just email
1: me brent my name is david at flatmill.com it's all over the place mark at flatmill.com guys listen we we want you guys to feel comfortable writing us but assaulting our players, and then getting mad at us when we're like, fuck off, man. This is our place to talk. What is up, You're going to or- find yourself in permanent timeout, guys. OSU, trade
0: Deuce, Navid, you guys are coming in force, man. Yep, yoners.
1: Thank you, guys, for giving us all those thumbs up today and the other days. We really fucking appreciate it. It's something that helps our numbers, so fucking love you guys.
0: Dude, we're here for you. We're here for the next game. You want to be back tomorrow, Dave? You got time? Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah, dude. I'm the Game's old, Wednesday. Old is that right, guys? All Wednesday. All right, we'll see you guys then. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you out.